Pope Benedict, when he stepped down from the papacy, had been in the midst of the year of faith doing a, a series of reflections during the Wednesday audiences on the creed. Pope Francis, as he began his papacy, continued this. And um, one of his first reflections was on that line from the creed, he shall come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And he mentioned how often today in this world we forget about the two poles of history. Okay, we know creation, but the end of this, this earthly history will be the coming of Christ in glory, the second coming. We see that uh, mentioned here in our second reading. Just as it is appointed that human beings die once, and after this the judgment, so also Christ offered once to take away the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to take away sin, but to bring salvation to those who eagerly await him. I wish to reflect with you then for a few minutes on the second coming of Christ and the judgment. During the liturgical year, we focus on many different things and it's a traditional thing at the end of the year to focus on the last things, death, judgment, heaven and hell. And today we'll just focus on the judgment. That Christ will come again in glory at the end of time is a matter of the faith. Uh, he will not come as he came in the first instance, in weakness, hidden as a child, hidden under our humanity. He will come as judge. There will be no doubt about who he is. Those who are just and who are to be redeemed will anticipate and long for his coming, go out to meet him. Those who their own conscience condemns them will dread the fact. As it mentions one point in scripture, they will say to the mountains, fall upon us, to the hills, cover us, because they will sense and know in their very being that God will come to judge them. Now, the judgment is not something that will only be for those who are alive at the end of the world, but it will be for also those who have died, all will be raised with their bodies, their very own bodies. And this is also a matter of the faith, that we receive back our very bodies. Yes, God will have to reconstruct or remake them, but it won't be another body. It will be the body that we had in a glorified state. Christ, after the, at this judgment, as we see in the Gospels, will separate those who are on his right will be brought to eternal glory with him. Those who are on his left will be sent off to eternal punishment. This is what we call the final judgment or the general judgment. Now, something that has not been defined as part of the faith but flows out um, from our belief and from the faith is the personal judgment or the particular judgment. So when we die, we don't, our soul doesn't just go into a kind of a hibernation waiting for the final day at the end of time. Our soul is 
either going off to heaven, to hell, or maybe needs to pass through purgatory on its way to God. And so, as kind of a logical sequence or following of that, there is the particular judgment. In other words, it makes sense that the soul is judged right away so that it can either receive the reward of, of its labor of following Christ, go through that purification of purgatory, or be judged and go uh, to its eternal damnation. Now, the, um, one might say, well, why then, if there is a particular judgment, or if the soul receives its reward or punishment right away, why is there even a need then for the final judgment at the end of time? Because our actions not only are a personal, um, or have personal ramifications, but they have societal ramifications, or they impact society and culture, the world around us. They, someone's decision for good or for ill can have an effect not only on generations, but even possibly on the change or the course of history. And so the final judgment is there in order for us to see the ramifications of our actions on the future and the rest of history. And so not only will individuals, but in a very real way, peoples, nations will be judged in the final judgment. There's also another purpose for this, that what lies hidden now, what we cannot see, the fullness of our actions or the actions of society, would be made manifest so that God may be glorified, so that no matter what has taken place in history, Christ might be seen as the Lord and the King of history that all that has gone on, nevertheless, whether it has been in accord with God's law or a revolt against God's law, God is all. That in other words, his will cannot be thwarted. And so we will see in the final judgment how God has, out of the shambles of our history, out of our own weak decisions, has nevertheless brought about his ultimate will. And again, the, those who are to be with God for eternity will rejoice in the mercies of God. They will rejoice in how God has turned our weakness um, into good. Real quick, the two women that we see in the first reading and in the gospel, these widows, they give everything. The first woman gives her last meal. She tells Elijah, after this, my son and I shall die. And he says, bring me, make me a cake. Bring me it to me. Bring me a little bit of water. Cup full of water to drink. And you will not die. You will have enough to live throughout. What a great act of faith this woman had to make. She wasn't an Israelite. She's in a town that's in a Gentile region. And yet she offers everything she has, hoping, trusting, maybe kind of in an act of desperation. <laughs> What's the use? We're going to die anyways. But nevertheless, in an act of generosity, gives everything to the prophet, and God rewards her fully. She is able, with her son and Elijah, 
to eat during the rest of the duration of the famine. And then in the gospel, our Lord's sitting opposite the treasury. And he's pointing out, or he's observing, those who are putting money into the treasury. Up comes this woman, very inconspicuous, drops in a few coins. And yet, our Lord says she's given more than all the others who have contributed to the treasury. There's a deep lesson in this for us, that God, no matter how much we have or how little we have, He desires all. He desires primarily all of our heart. And that when we give Him everything, then we allow grace to be released in our lives. We allow His his generosity, when we're totally generous with Him, we allow His superabundant generosity to flow into our lives. Tying that back to the judgment, maybe that's a good way to be prepared then for meeting our Creator and our Redeemer and our Judge at the end of our lives by giving Him everything.